0: Bites, the no-nonsense podcast where you get the truth about food so you can eat what you want and be healthy. I'm your host, Maggie, and welcome to episode 6 of this weekly series. Today's topic has been a very popular request from so many of you, so let's dive right in. On the menu today, Protein. Protein began its descent into health popularity in the early 2000s. It was around this time that the weight loss community started demonizing carbohydrates, and fitness enthusiasts began focusing on high-intensity training programs like P90X and CrossFit. You guys remember P90X? That shit was crazy. Simultaneously, high-protein foods and supplements began appearing in our grocery stores and food chains. Starbucks started selling protein snack boxes, and gas stations offered up protein bars at the counter. Safe to say, it's been a steady rise in fame for protein, and with high-protein diets like paleo now comfortably in our lexicon, this nutrient maintains its prom queen status. The problem is, there's a lot of misinformation and questions around protein. How much do we need? Where do you get it? How important is it really? So make sure your wireless headphones are charged, and settle in to Protein 101. Let's start off with the basic of basics. What the hell is protein? In nutrition, protein is a nutrient that we have to eat relatively large quantities of to survive. It's an important source of energy in our diet, and it's also necessary to build muscle and maintain health. In biology, protein is an incredibly diverse molecule, shape-shifting like Mystique from X-Men. It's found in every tissue, organ, and body part, from our bones to hair to skin and everything in between. It also makes up all of the enzymes, hormones, and DNA within our bodies. As a molecule, protein provides a lot of structural integrity, so almost anything that is built in a living organism is made in part of protein. On a molecular level, protein is made from building blocks called amino acids. There are about 20 different types of amino acids that humans require to live. Think of them like Lego blocks. Each of those 20 are a different size and shape, and so to create Everything in our bodies, from a tiny piece of DNA to our eyelashes, requires a different combination and quantity of amino acids. Some of these amino acids we can make ourselves, and others we have to source from food. Eating a diverse diet is one way to make sure we get all 20 amino acids that we need. One downside about protein is that we don't store it very well. There's no giant bin of Lego pieces for us to dump on the ground and sort through when we need. After we eat protein, we have a temporary pool of amino acids in our blood. This short-term reserve is circulated around our body, and when an organ or tissue needs to build or repair something, it takes the right building block from this pool. But this pool needs to be constantly replenished, which is why we have to eat protein regularly. Because protein provides structure to so many living things, that means it's found in almost all of the plants and animals that we eat. Even foods like apples and zucchini contain small amounts of protein. Animal meats and their byproducts, like dairy and eggs, are considered high sources of protein. Most meat is about 50% of protein by weight, and fish is just slightly less than that. Contrary to meathead conspiracy theories, plenty of plants also provide great sources of protein, like soy, nuts, seeds, beans, and lentils. And some of these even provide more protein by weight than dairy or eggs. Like I covered in episode one of the podcast, there are two categories of dietary proteins, complete and incomplete. Of the 20 amino acids that we need, there are nine that we have to source from food. This VIP group are called the essential amino acids. Dietary proteins that contain these essential amino acids are called complete, and if a dietary protein is missing any one of those essential amino acids, it's called incomplete. Animal meat, dairy, egg, soy, and quinoa represent complete proteins, while many plant-based proteins are incomplete. However, two halves can make a whole, and combining incomplete proteins together is an effective way to cover all of your essential amino acid needs. That's why eating an assorted variety of plant proteins is so important for health. For example, beans and rice are both incomplete proteins, but just like in Jerry Maguire, they complete one another, because they're each missing an amino acid that the other has. So uniting them together is a perfect match for the body and a burrito. Speaking of delicious foods, how much protein do we actually need to eat? The answer is not as straightforward as you would expect. Because protein is such a complex molecule that comes in so many different shapes and sizes, not all dietary protein is treated the same in the body. How and when it's absorbed, Digested, metabolized, and used can radically differ, and that makes it really difficult to determine the exact amount we each need. Even scientists and health professionals are in disagreement about our daily recommendation. What they do agree on, though, are the following four key factors that influence your protein needs age, life stage, weight, and level of physical activity. Life stage is particularly important. Anytime you are in a period of rapid growth, like when you're a child, you're pregnant or breastfeeding, or gaining a lot of muscle, more protein is required to build your body. On the flip side, if you're in a period of life where muscle and bone loss is rapid, like during elderly age, high levels of protein are also required to make sure you don't lose any more than what you already have. In terms of a general recommendation for your individual protein need, like a real number you can keep in mind, there are two ways to determine this. But I have to warn you, both involve calculations and food tracking. I'm so sorry. The first method involves calculating your specific daily calorie needs, and then making sure you source between 10 and 35% of those calories from protein. There's no one specific percentage that rules them all, but it does seem that many health professionals suggest 20% of calories from protein as a decent amount. The second way to determine your protein needs is to follow a more specific formula. And to do this, you need to know your weight in kilograms. I apologize to my imperial system enthusiast, but metric is, and always will be, superior. The calculation for your individual protein needs is this. 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. I know math over audio is particularly difficult to remember, so I'll say it again. 0.8 grams of protein per kilo of weight per day. For a 140-pound person, that equals about 50 grams of protein per day. And for a 200-pound person, it's about 72 grams. But those numbers are essentially meaningless unless we know how much protein is in our food. Again, speaking really generally here, a serving of meat can provide anywhere between 30 to 50 grams of protein, depending on its size, of course. Half a cup of beans, tofu, or lentils hovers around 15 grams, and a single egg, serving of yogurt, or small handful of nuts is less than 10. So if you only require 50 grams of protein per day, one serving of meat may cover it all, or three servings of beans, tofu, and lentils, along with a handful of nuts. But do we actually need to worry about tracking all of our food and calculating exactly our daily targets? Not really. If you live in an affluent country, you are eating enough protein. Prior to this episode, I never calculated my own protein requirements, and looking back at what I ate yesterday, which is almost entirely plant-based, I met my protein target without even trying. Protein deficiency is a real and very serious problem, but it's mostly seen in developing nations where there is inconsistent access to healthy, nutritionally dense food. In countries where a steady supply of food is mere minutes and meters away, protein deficiency is usually only seen in three instances. In people who undereat, like those suffering from disordered eating, in people with conditions that make absorbing protein difficult, like celiac disease or Crohn's, and in people with liver or kidney disease, because those organs help process protein. In our meat-dominant culture, many people eat too much protein. And while short-term effects like nausea and diarrhea aren't life-threatening, it's the longer-term impact of a high-protein diet that is more worrisome. Excessive protein intake is defined as getting more than 35% of your calories from protein. So to use an example, on a 2,000-calorie diet, that would mean consuming at least 175 grams of protein, instead of a more reasonable recommendation of 67 grams. While nearly tripling your protein intake may seem difficult, With the availability of protein supplements and the dominance of paleo diets, many people actually come close to this level of overabundance. Developing kidney stones is the most common direct effect of excessive protein intake, but that's not what health professionals are concerned about. People who eat a high-protein diet tend to exclude important food groups, like fruits and whole grains, and this imbalance can mean missing out on fiber and other key nutrients. Most high-protein diets are also high-meat diets, and eating too much meat is associated with an increased risk of heart disease and many cancers, including colon, breast, and prostate. Like I discussed in episode one, raising animals for food, and specifically red meat production, is incredibly taxing on the environment. It's one of the largest contributors to greenhouse gases in the world. So to help reduce climate change, scientists agree that we need to start eating less meat, and choosing plants as our primary source of protein instead. Research also shows that diets high in plant protein actually reduce your risk of heart disease and cancer. So let's call this a soy-based slam dunk, shall we? Although it's starting to become known that high meat diets aren't healthy for our bodies or the planet, the desire for high protein diets is still incredibly popular. As I covered in episode 2, protein is satiating. It helps us feel full. And it's a great strategy to eat snacks and meals with protein so that we don't overeat food that we don't need. But this property of protein gets blown out of proportion, especially in the weight loss community. And for those trying to gain weight, in particular muscle, it's easy to want to hack our diets when the bodies we celebrate are literal superhero characters and genetically blessed humans like JLo, who also happen to have access to insane personal trainers and celebrity chefs. Gym culture preys on our weakness for washboard abs and makes us believe that with a lot more protein, especially in the form of supplements they conveniently sell, we too can look like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Even though that man once used to eat two pounds of fish, a dozen eggs, and multiple servings of steak and chicken every single day just to meet his protein needs. All that in mind, there is truth to increasing your protein intake if you exercise regularly. It's just not by the amount that we're often told we need. The formula I spoke of earlier, the 0.8 grams of protein per kilo per day, is based off of someone who is sedentary. For elite-level athletes, their protein needs are almost double that, requiring somewhere between 1.5 to 2 grams of protein per kilo per day. Now, despite the confidence of Jim Brogue Craig in the cutout tank, the vast majority of us are not elite-level athletes, no matter how often you go to the gym. For the everyday fitness enthusiast, the protein requirement will be somewhere around 1 to 1.2 grams of protein per kilo per day. Any more and it's a waste. Your body will consider it extra calories, not magically pile it onto your biceps. Now, if you're really keen on maximizing muscle build, the International Society of Sports Nutrition recommends 3 things to help. First, eat carbohydrates immediately after intense exercise. Second, Eat protein within two hours of your workout. And lastly, eat protein throughout the day, every three to four hours as part of your regular meal or snack. Remember that we can't store protein, so it's important to keep a steady supply of amino acids in your body. Despite protein supplements being so common in fitness culture, many nutritionists and health-focused trainers recommend sourcing protein through real food rather than powders, shakes, and bars. Even though they are a convenient way to get a big hit of protein, these supplements are not well regulated. And with little legal oversight, what's inside these products is not always what we expect. In 2020, a nonprofit group called the Clean Label Project found toxins in over 97% of protein powders they screened. And I mean real toxins, like lead, arsenic, mercury, BPA, and pesticides. In addition to that scary fact, Many protein supplements are high in sugar, calories, artificial sweeteners, thickeners, and stabilizers, not exactly the picture perfect image of a healthy food. So while they can be used to provide a protein boost, you're better off getting your protein from real food, even though it's more work. And if you can't live without your protein powder, at least do some research to make sure that what you're eating is safe and does not surprise you with high amounts of sugar or other mystery ingredients. The incredible complexity of protein is both a biological blessing and an educational curse. This macronutrient is responsible for the structure and functioning of our entire body, and it's critical that we consume it every day. While the exact amount of protein we need is not perfectly defined or easy to calculate, it's safe to say that if you live in a Western country, you are meeting your daily needs. If you exercise regularly, you'll want to pay attention to adding more protein into your meals and snacks. And remember, Adding protein does not equal adding meat. For the sake of the planet and your health, try to eat more plant-based proteins. Open up that can of beans, grill that plant-based patty, and crack open a bag of sunflower seeds. Protein is everywhere, and it's damn delicious. That's been the bite for today. Stay hungry. Thanks for listening to nutrition bites. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast and share with a friend. If you want to get in touch with me, please follow me on Instagram at nutrition bites podcast. Have a great week.